Hey gang, it's Chapo coming in at you. Um, before we get into this week's show, I just want just to, just a little statement about our, our, I guess our next guest appearance on the show. I mean, like obviously, we don't often turn the platform of the show over to elected politicians. You know, a lot of people don't think that's our, our role really. And, you know, honestly, it's, it's not one that uh, we naturally feel comfortable with. But occasionally, I mean, there are people in office who we support. We like them. We're friends with them. And if there's anything we can do on our show to, you know, amplify their message, to platform them, um, I'll do it. And, you know, like, so to that end, uh, I would like to uh, start today's show with a uh, statement read on air from friend of the show, uh, Louisiana's Representative Clay Higgins. Uh, Clay, would you spit, please? We very much appreciate the tremendous outpouring of love and kindness over the past 10 days from the hundreds of friends and supporters who have reached out to me directly. I keep my family's private business very quiet because the evil in the world. <laughs> yeah, we very are uplifted by the love of God's children and quiet privacy does not mean secrecy. So here's the update. I have COVID. <laughs> has COVID. My son has COVID. Becky and I had COVID before early on in January of 2020, before the world really knew what it was. So this is our second experience with the CCP biological attack weaponized virus. And this episode is far more challenging. It has required all my devoted energy. We are all under excellent care and our prognosis is positive. We are very healthy, generally speaking, and our treatment of every health concern always encompasses Western, Eastern, and holistic variables. <laughs> I ask that my family's privacy be respected. Media inquiries should be directed to my D.C. office. I love and respect you all. I'm honored and humble to serve you in Congress. Our mission will continue. My family and I will recover fully. Your prayerful support is felt deep within my family and will never be forgotten. Respectfully, Clay Higgins. Thank you, Clay. Well, uh, sir, I'm I'm really happy you're okay. Um, I'm glad that you're combining all the types of medicine. That's the most important thing to do. Yeah, I'm giving acupuncture to my crocodile. <laughs> <laughs> I just... Uh, <laughs> A lot of details I like that statement, but yeah, like Felix, the, the best part is uh, combining all Eastern and Western types of medicine in on the road to recovery. I mean, he he is this is the way of the shadow wolf. This is this is this is this is Steven Seagal type knowledge that weaves together the best. He's a, he is a Renaissance man, very similar to Seagal. That's what I love about Clay Higgins is like he zigs when you think he'll zag because it's like. Sight unseen, if you're like, oh, Clay Higgins has a post about, like, COVID, I'd be like, oh, he thinks it's fake. But it's like, no, he's still holding on to, like, the Trump presidency era thing where it's like we're attacked by China. Yeah. But, like, you know, is he going to say it's no big deal? No, he's going to, like, you know, say that it's scary, but like, he's, like, uniquely equipped to deal with it because he knows every type of medicine. <laughs> I'm making a poultice. <laughs> you, you know, the, the, the key to a good poultice for your COVID is the root. You're going to get that root nice and dark. You're going to get that coffee color root before you apply the poultice. Uh, and that Corona going to be saying, bon chéri. He's the, like, he should, we should just, like, have a year where he's president. Oh, God, yes. Like, who how about cares? Have a, how about have a uh, eternity where he's president? 
Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's like God Emperor. We have the Delaware version of Clay Higgins now. It's true. And it's like, you know, people are always writing articles that are like, why actually this is the best thing that's ever happened. Like, what what's what would be different, really? He would just do like he would do like a military parade, but it would be like big band style. <laughs> he would have Delta Force guys like playing the washboard. <laughs> <laughs> Like he's he he's fucking cool. Mm, mm, I tell you that 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 good weaponized CCCP weaponized militarized virus so good it make the jackrabbit slap the bear. <laughs> yeah. I I re- it's, it's time for Wilford Brimley from Hard Target to be president. I think we can all agree. I really like what he has. Uh, I like always have. He had a five, he had a Facebook post a, few, a couple of years ago. I remember reading where uh, he just he's bra- he's humble bragging about how he's a world traveling police uh, politician renaissance man. Yeah, with a two hundred IQ, and he just says four hundred to five hundred books read, no big deal. <laughs> you know those books are are like you know the Menus. soldiers of war. Yes, <laughs> the, the warriors of World War Two, the generals of history, how yeah. to flip a house. Yeah, he is. It's like you've read four hundred to five hundred books. Every one of them is about D Day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he knows everything can happen on D Day. He that's the post where he said he has like a one eighty IQ, right? <laughs> he's not just the smartest man in Congress. He's that makes him the smartest man ever. Indeed. I, <laughs> yeah, like, God damn it. He's like, yeah, even in some like unrealistic scenario where the Democrats like actually wanted to win like every seat, like they should keep him. It should be like DC's Congress. Like he should always be the representative for Louisiana at large. I don't know if he should vote or not, but like he should be there. He should be interviewed every fucking day. Uh, the, I mean, aside from the uh, blending East, Eastern and Western medical traditions in his uh, treatment of now his second case of COVID, the other thing I really liked in the Clay Higgins statement when he was like, it was like, uh, privacy does not equal to secrecy. And he's like, he's basically like, I have to keep things quiet because of all the evil in the world. That's <laughs> <laughs> so, facts, dude. Well, he remember he had that, his wife had that vision about the, about, uh, stormtroopers showing up and, and taking their guns and water and, and medicine uh, and alligators. And you got to wonder where her vision was when, you know, some guy with COVID was coughing directly in their mouths. Yeah, no. Yeah. It, it's, I mean, maybe like some people's visions can only see like revelation stuff. And she was seeing revelation. Stuff. She was, she was just watching the film hard target. And they were like, yeah, when, when Lance Hendrickson and Arnold Vosloo show up, they go, they go hunt us for sport. They're going to be the most dangerous game. <laughs> All right, gang. Well, thanks to uh, thanks to Representative Clay Higgins, uh, wishing him a speedy recovery. What do you say, gang? Want to start the show? Yeah. Let's go. OK, let's go. Okay, well, uh, thanks again to uh, Clay Higgins. We're back today. Um, it's time to induct another movie into the Chapo film canon. Our mission today, should we choose to accept it, is to 
harken back to a, the bygone era of 2007. George Bush was in his second term in office, but post-Hurricane Katrina, post-surge, people were really not feeling him as much as they did in the first Bush administration. People, the people were getting to sour on the Iraq war, and thus it became time for Hollywood to finally take a stab at an action movie that asked the question, what if you could shoot Dick Cheney in the head? Yeah, I- this was, we had one year where you could make movies like this. Like, for most of the Bush administration, uh, for the early part when it actually mattered, Hollywood was like, no, we actually want to kill every Muslim in the world, too. They, like, booed Michael Moore for being against the Iraq War. They were completely along with it. They literally have no courage of their convictions ever. But, um, you know, when after, like, 2005, 2006, when it became, like, acceptable to have like a very specific position against the Iraq war where you're like, no, don't get me wrong. I was for it, but I think we're doing it wrong now. Uh, They made a bunch of shitty movies where like, you know, Matt Damon is like a good soldier. Yeah. The the green zone betrayed. Yeah. He's just being betrayed by the fat cats in Washington. But then there was like, it got so bad in America that there was about one year where you could make a big budget movie where you killed Dick Cheney. And you know they like, had to make him black for the concert. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, well, we'll I, I, Dick well, Cheney they made like Bill Frist black. <laughs> basically, they're like, all right. Well, we still have to do that. Uh, so I, I, I would not put this movie in the category of like the the shoot and cry Iraq War movies, or they're like, oh, we we messed it up, or it was incompetently prosecuted. And in fact, this movie is only about the war in Iraq. In, 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 in like a glancing way. I mean, it is about the war in Iraq in like a, a large way, but like it doesn't really figure into the plot too heavily. The film we are going to be discussing today is Shooter, starring Mark Wahlberg and directed by Antoine Fuqua of Training Day fame. Uh, this is based on the everyone's favorite series of books, the Bob Lee Swagger Point of Impact series, which, Matt, you have actually read. Not all of them, but I, I've read a bunch. Uh, uh, I read Dirty White Boys uh, when I was in high school. I saw it on the on a rack at a grocery store, much as I saw American Tabloid, and I and I, and I bought the the uh, mass market paperback edition. And the very first paragraph of that book, Dirty White Boys, which is tangentially related to the Bob Swagger books, uh, is describing this terrifying uh, criminal. This uh, in, in a prison who's about to break out uh, uh, and talking about how he has the, the largest penis of any white man in the prison. It's <laughs> <laughs> a sign of a great book. Yeah. He's played by Mark it's, Wahlberg it's in good. this movie. Yeah. But, but that book actually is like that guy with the big penis turns out if you read a bunch more books about uh, uh, in this, in this verse, it really is like a, like a Tolkien esque uh, world. Uh, you find out that he is the illegitimate son of Bob Lee Swagger's father, Earl Swagger, who was an Arkansas uh, state trooper who was assassinated by the CIA from a different book. The Clinton crime family, once again, back at it. But uh, yeah, but so the Bob Lee Swagger is a Vietnam sniper. He was the best sniper in American history. Uh, uh, killed like 500 people during the Vietnam, uh, during the Vietnam War. Uh, and... Then he comes home and he's all, you know, traumatized. He lives alone in the Arkansas uh, hill country and 
he just keeps getting dragged back into escapades and shenanigans. <laughs> uh, and the first, the first of those shenanigans is a book called Point of Impact, which was made later into Shooter. Uh, and it, and it, it was it was written in the eighties, and so like some of the stuff, the detail, plot details are different, but the basic arc of the story is the same. Uh, yeah. So by the way, this is that pair. I wanted to find it. We can put it back. Uh, we can edit it back in to make it flow better. But this is the I found the first paragraph of Dirty White Boy. The first. The first book by uh, by Stephen Hunter I read uh, in high school. Three men at McAllister State Penitentiary had larger penises than Lamar Pye, but all were black and therefore, by Lamar's own figuring, hardly human at all. His Does, was the largest. Count. Penis, <laughs> yep, his was the largest penis ever seen on a white man in that prison or any of the others in which Lamar had spent so much of his adult life. It was a monster, a snake, a ropey, veiny thing that hardly looked at all like what it was, but rather like some form of rubber tubing. <laughs> Damn. Uh, well, I've already, I mean, like, well, the, 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 the Mark Wahlberg, Antoine Fuqua film adaptation has already missed a beat by focusing virtually not at all on Mark Wahlberg's just sort of, I guess, half related giant veiny rubber hose. It's a damn shame. Well, I mean, before we get into the movie itself, like, like I said, like, I, 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 I wanted to discuss this movie because it is one of the only movies I can think of to come out of the Bush era that is a sort of a, a, a left wing stab at making like an 80s style action movie. And I got to say, yeah, it pretty much works. Like I, I, w- I was I was rewatching this movie again. I was like, you know what? Like this pretty much slaps. And it's uh, it, it, it's layered with all kinds of conspiracy pilled uh, little Easter eggs for you. So, I mean, what, what did you guys make of Shooter? Well, I've always, like, loved this movie. Like, it's it's probably, like, the last movie like this we'll ever really see, unless we get to make Loop Jumper, where it is, like, yeah, you can enjoy it like you enjoy John Wick, where there is, like, actually pretty cool action. And it, it's, like, a for as much as there is a plot, it's pretty fun. But it is, you know, they are saying, like, the deep state and, like, the petroleum industry is evil. And it's like, we're probably just not going to see that again. They would absolutely not do a movie where like, yeah, there's just an ex military guy who's going around like fucking doming intelligence directors (laughs) and senators. Like they would have to fuck up so bad for that to, for Hollywood, for them to like call the lizard men in Hollywood and be like, okay, make one of those to like release the pressure valve. Everything is so is run by algorithms now. So it, it, there's like a certain ceiling and a certain floor where this movie can't be made. Uh, I, I I liked it at the time, but I did spend most of the time just folding, sh- having my arms folded, just like this fucking this mass, this tiny T Rex armed mass hole is not by Lee Swagger. I'm sorry. <laughs> it was like when they cast Tom Cruise as Jack as like Reacher. like a gimme capped hillbilly is just it doesn't play. I think in real life, if a guy did this in real life, which I am not endorsing, I do not think you should do this. Um, it would be like a five seven mass hole because he's like he's like unassuming, and if you saw that guy carrying like a duffel bag, a huge duffel bag with like a Barrett fifty cal, you would be like. Oh, that's like his equipment to play in the mighty, mighty Boston. <laughs> he wants to. It's a he trombone. Wants to play like some, he wants to play some type of like electric harp on a clock tower during the president's speech. That's fine. <laughs> well, I'll let him do that. Well, I mean, I, I do remember when this movie came out. 
I'm like going back into my, uh, you know, total recall for uh, conservative media. I remember Jonah Goldberg of the National Review complaining about this movie when it came out because he was just like, ah, they, they killed Dick Cheney. They, 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 it's a conspiracy movie about how the oil, the oil industry controls our government. And well, they just want to kill Dick Cheney. And you well, know, like, like you would be you would be mad, too, if like your mom lets you watch one violent movie a month and you wasted it on this one. <laughs> Seeing your best friend from the government yeah, get killed. Yeah. What the fuck? My mom won't let me have a duo. I have to wait till next month. Well, you know, I mean, for, for whatever reason, like the, the stars aligned, and this is why I think it is an interesting movie, because they 1000% just dome Dick Cheney in this movie. So <laughs> let, let's, just, let's just build up to that point. This is Okay, so Shooter opens. Um, and the very first thing you see in this movie is like a long like helicopter tracking shot like, you know, like a coasting over this landscape that we later find out is in the Horn of Africa. A very, a very kinetic theater of operations when it comes to uh, U.S. special forces, CIA contractors, and various uh, bad people. But the very first thing you see in this movie is an oil pipeline. The camera follows the oil pipeline up, like, you know, up an embankment, and there's just like at, at sort of a cliff ledge, we find uh, Mark Wahlberg and his spotter. They are Marine Scout Recon snipers, which are, you know, if you're if you're in, if you're into that kind of thing is, you know, by all accounts, the best of the best when it comes to scouting, spotting and shooting. They are there to um, provide uh, sort of like overwatch. They're there to fire sniper cover for some unspecified military operation that's going on. Like I said, in in what I believe is revealed to be the country of Ethiopia. They're either in Ethiopia or Eritrea, but either way, they're not officially supposed to be there. So, you know, basically what happens is, you know, as you might expect uh, on the sniper mission, uh, shit goes sideways, shit goes sideways. And because they're not officially supposed to be in the country, they are abandoned. They are cut off by like the, you know, like the, the guys in the rear, uh, you know, like a, you know, spotting shit with drones and like all their cover is gone and they are left to fend for their own and, you know, uh, ward off the assault of these, you know, uh, some some militia group that, you know, they just like domed like 60 of them from like 5,000 yards away or something. I mean, like uh, Mark Wahlberg in this movie is Steph Curry, right? I mean, he's he's just draining, yeah. he's draining threes, like like just hole in one every single time. And uh, in, in the course of this mission going sideways, it's like, you know, they're supposed to cover some guys, but then they don't account for like, oh, there's another force of guys coming. Uh, there's too many guys, not enough, uh, not enough, uh, no, no exit strategy for them. And as a result of it, his spotter and best friend is killed during this uh, unofficial op. They're expendable, you know, and it's, ne it's never good when you're one of these guys and you find out that you are expendable. Um, I will note a little Easter egg for uh, Wahlberg heads out there. Um, his spotter and best friend is named Donnie, just like Mark Wahlberg's real life brother, Donnie Wahlberg. And, you know, I just wonder if that was just, you know, Mark and the filmmakers just having a little just having a little fun with the audience. Um, so, yeah. It, yeah. So the mission in Africa goes sideways. Uh, his spotter is killed. But, you know, Bob Lee Swagger, a.k.a. Shooter. He's able to make it out alive. And then the film jumps ahead in time, like three years. And uh, we come across uh, Shooter is now three years on. He's out of the military. And uh, he is basically, uh, he's become a ponytail guy living off the grid in Montana. And, you know, he's sort of a, sort of a gritty survivalist type. 
And you know that because like his only friend is a dog and his dog is trained to bring him beers from the refrigerator. But in one of my favorite scenes in the movie, like where we're, we, we see Wahlberg and he's living in his like Montana compound and they're like, oh, he, he shoots his own meat and grows his own vegetables. And, you know, he doesn't trust the government anymore. And we're, uh, we're, we're that, that's sort of illustrated by uh, Wahlberg. Uh, he you know, comes into the house, his dog gets him a beer. He gives the dog some beer and then he boots up the World Wide Web. And as soon as he looks at his computer, he goes, let's see what let's see what lies they're trying to sell us today. That would Yeah. And like that's that scene when I saw that scene, it was like, oh, they like literally wouldn't do this today. If they did Shooter today, it would be about like a brave Marine who's defending journalists. Well, see that. Yeah, that's the thing is that is that a lot of that energy that that uh, the anti-establishment disillusion energy that was channeled by this movie and that Hunter uh, expressed in a lot of his books before uh, like 2008 or so. Uh, has just been funneled into uh, QAnon and 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 general suspicion of authorities uh, that because of the rise of you know Trump and everything the people who make Holly um, the movie, people who make movies are way too devoted now in protecting against them and so they just make the alienation worse by by not even giving people a, a fucking vent by being like no actually the journalists are always good. Yeah, they've literally and the CIA and the government are on your side. They've made several movies that like try to be like shooter for journalists. Yes. <laughs> we, like there is no like okay, there's definitely like no real life Bob Bob Lee Swagger, but there's more of a chance of there being a Bobby Lee Swagger like former Marine than there is any type of Bobby Lee Swagger uh journalist. That yeah. just doesn't exist. There's no swagger. Uh, another yeah. detail in this scene where he's like, let's see what lies they're trying to sell us today is um, on his desk. He does have a, a copy of the 9-11 commission report. Now, is this movie 9-11 pilled? Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, not explicitly, but it raises enough issues in the plot of the movie to think that, you know, what, what are they really trying to tell us here? What are they really trying to tell? Well, talk about. So, yeah. Talk about something that would never Never like there's so much in this movie. Every pretty much every shot has a thing where it's like, oh, now this would be called evil disinformation. Yeah. Yeah. Now this movie, like anything in this movie that actually does like, you know, where they're not explicitly saying like, oh, yeah, we they put thermite paint on, on the buildings, like something ridiculous like that. But they are saying like, OK, we'll think about like what specifically the security state allows to happen. If you did like this is, you know. Now, the perspective on these things is like, if you know someone who even says that, you should contact the FBI. <laughs> That's the popular liberal position on it. Well, uh, Shooter, a.k.a. Bob Lee Swagger, um, does, not, does not get much time to, to lounge in his, um, in his man cave with his, his dog friend because who comes driving up his driveway? None other than Danny Glover. Uh, but before he's introduced and it just cuts to Langley, it's Langley, Virginia. We all know. We all we all know. It's our it's our friends at the agency, and it's a bunch of guys sitting around a room, and they've got their file open, and the file the Manila the Manila folder is filled with nothing but Bob Lee Swagger. They want him for an unspecified mission, and they roll up his driveway, asking him to, you know, come 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 back into the fold. Now remember remember during Richard Jewell, we talked about the scene where it's like John Hamm. And as soon as they get your photo on the whiteboard, it's like it's over for you. So as soon as yeah, as soon, yes. as, as, soon as Bob Lee Swagger's photo 
is in their little dossier. Uh, he's fucked. He's fucked. So, and then also, I think it's cool that uh, Danny Glover is the bad guy. He's this like very vaguely associated uh, army colonel who's just like black bag fucking like just just like decades long fucking career doing ops for the fucking CIA. I think it's cool that Glover is in this role because, you know, Glover, as far as Hollywood actors go, is about as bona fide a lefty as you can find. And, I, yeah, I you know, I, I think Glover had a, a certain relish playing this fucking CIA colonel character. He had a great time in this role. It is a pleasure every time he's on scene because it's like, yeah, I mean, there are probably other actors that would have done like a pretty good job, but he does a great job because he's like, no, yeah, I uniquely know that the CIA was trafficking drugs, that they're fucking abducting people, that they're doing all this shit. And he like he really fucking has fun with it. Glover's a, Glover is a great villain in this movie. And essentially, yeah. So like they, uh, you know, they, they pull up his driveway. They got like the, the government fucking black SUVs and Wahlberg's like, you know, keep keep on driving. I ain't interested in what you're selling. But Glover buffaloes him by pulling out a Medal of Honor and being like, oh, your dad had a Medal of Honor. Check this out. I, I have one, too. Don't you want to hear what I have to say? And he just he. He gets under all of all of Shooter's natural uh, paranoia, anger, hatred of the government. He get he gets right under his skin by pulling the old patriotism card, and he, and he, what he tells him is that they need him to plan the assassination of the president of the United States, not execute it, merely plot out every detail about hey. If you were to perhaps want to assassinate the president of the United States, how would you go about doing it? Because we have some, you know, unspecified foreign intel that says that there's a shooter in the country and he's going to take a shot at the president sometime over the next couple of weeks at one of three speak public speaking engagements that the president is scheduled to do from over like a thousand yards. And at that distance, there's like five or six guys in the world who could reliably pull the trigger and hit the target on a shot like that. And Bob Lee Swagger is one of them. So they're saying, we need a guy with your mind to like, you know, help us get in the mind of this unspecified shooter and help us stop the assassination of the president. And they're like, he's like, you know, do you want to wake up next week and find the president has been shot and killed? And you couldn't, if you, if you could have done something about it and you didn't. And uh, Mark Wahlberg says to him, he's like, I don't much care for this president. Don't much care for the one before him either. You know, he's like, he's uh, he's disillusioned by politics, but he still feels the pull because he is a, you know, oorah, semper fi, marine scout recon sniper. He still feels the pull of that, of the, of the, of the red, white, and blue and this, and the constitution and the idea that, you know, all enemies, foreign and domestic. Now, for a guy who's already paranoid and like living off the grid and, has been fucked over by the government one time before and whose name is Bob Lee Swagger, just about the most presidential assassin name ever given to a human being. I, I kind of feel like he and, of course, you, the audience, you sort of know what's coming here as soon as he says yes to these guys. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if people are already referring to you by your three names, it's like, you know, what do you what do you think you're going to be framed for, buddy? <laughs> Yeah, you're one. Of, they just tell him you're one of five guys in the world who can like shoot a politician from like a mile away, and they're like, <laughs> yeah. "Oh yeah, yeah, just yeah, yeah." No, we want you to stop someone from doing that. Um, I'd like to uh, shout out as well. Uh, uh, Denny Glover's goon in this movie is played by Elias Coteas, uh, who's a very slimy uh, sort of 
evil uh, henchman in this movie. And one of the first thing he does is Mark Wahlberg's dog doesn't like him. And Elias Cotes, being a being a, a consummate fed, as soon as he see Wahlberg's dog, he just starts reaching for his sidearm. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there are so many. There are so many great character actors in this movie. Like, if you were making a movie, possibly inspired by this movie about a time traveling Bob Lee Swagger, <laughs> you would just go down the IMDb for this movie. Yeah. So, uh, and I think interesting. One of the things, like when they're so uh, Wahlberg initially, uh, shooter initially says no to them. He's like, you know, I don't, I don't want nothing to do with. With, with the damn government anymore. And uh, as, they're, as they're leaving in the, the Fed black SUV, uh, Elias Coteas is like, oh, like the guy turned us down. And Danny Glover's like, oh, no, he's, he said yes. He just doesn't know it yet. And what he says is that um, uh, shooter Bob Lee Swagger has basically, a, a, if you look at his file, he's a man with a history that says duty, honor, and patriotism. But because of the incident in the Horn of Africa where duty, honor, and patriotism led to, you know, having his friend be killed and him betrayed, when you lose that sense of that system of belief, when that collapses, you don't know where to, where to turn to or what to do. Well, when you become vulnerable like that, you certainly make an interesting target for men like Danny Glover and the agency to, let's just say, fill the void where that uh, sense of honor, duty, and patriotism once was. So, of course, of course, shooter Bob Lee Swagger is going to come out of retirement and he is going to uh, help Glover and his team stop this supposed assassination of the President of the United States. So, you know, he scopes out the locations and he uh, determines that there is only one location in which the president could be assassinated in this manner, and that is in Philadelphia, appropriately, because it's the only city in America where you could do something like that and get away with it. Yeah. You can assassinate the president by hucking a battery on his head. <laughs> the president is a Giants fan, and he's, he's going to speak at Independence Hall, and let's just say things are going to happen. So like you know like this whole time like uh, 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 the the president shows up but speaking before the president is the archbishop of Ethiopia and this is sort of like a like a Desmond Tutu like character and uh, but but before before he gets on stage we are introduced to uh, Michael Pena's character who is um, an FBI agent who's just you know on the scene he's there to you know work the president being in town and of course he's going to become. Um, like, you know, a, a main character in this movie. But here, here's the first big conspiracy Easter egg in this movie. So like while, while Wahlberg is set up with Danny Glover and Elias Coteas and all the CIA guys at their like little overwatch position and they all have binoculars and he's like, he's like, the, the shooter's loading the gun right now. We got to take him out. Wh where's the police? What's going on here? They, they bring in a local Philadelphia police officer who's like their man on the scene. And he's like this sweaty, fat guy who's like already nervous. His gun is already unsnapped, which Wahlberg clocks instantly. The name of the Philadelphia police officer, I don't know if you guys caught this, is Officer Timmons. Now, <laughs> if, you, if you can tell me that this isn't an absolute reference to Officer J.D. Tippett, the one, the, yeah. the officer, and yeah. probably cut out and handler for Lee Harvey Oswald, who was killed by him 
you know, uh, hours before uh, Oswald was arrested in that movie theater. Um, I don't know. I got I got a bridge to sell you. I've, I've got a presidential assassination plot. I'd like you to plan for me. So we've got Officer J.D. Tippett, who's like, it's an honor to meet you. <laughs> it's an honor to meet you, Shooter. And, you know, he's sweaty. Oh, Eagles. <laughs> he's sweaty. You know something's up. And then, like, you know, uh, as, as it gets closer to the president taking the stage, Wahlberg's like, he's like, what, what's the matter? We got we to arrest this guy. He's the shooter. What's going on? And then, of course, Officer J.D. Tippett uh, shoots him in the back right after not the president, but the archbishop of Ethiopia gets fucking his wig split. And he's standing yeah, in, in, he's standing next yeah, to the president. So it is interpreted as a failed assassination attempt on the president. But Archbishop of Ethiopia, he is no more. And Wahlberg in the in in the book, which is written in the 80s, uh, it's sort of an uh, Oscar Romero type uh, Catholic pre- prelate from Central America. Right. Well, I mean, again, you just like you was when we were just going going to town down there. It, it was basically about the El Mazote massacre. The book was. Well, the massacre that, that this movie is about, like I said, takes place in the Horn of Africa, which is, you know, very fitting for both, you know, the time this, yeah, movie, this movie came out yeah. and now as well. The Horn of Africa yeah. is like one of the biggest theaters of like covert involvement for U.S. special forces, the CIA, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, the archbishop is assassinated by an unknown shooter. But like instantly as that happens, uh, Officer J.D. Tippett um, attempts to, uh, you know, snip those loose ends and kill shooter, J- shooter Bob Lee Swagger. But how could you fucking miss? He is not. He's uh, come on. He, this guy's a Philly cop. He's not a good shooter. <laughs> he's fucking. No, he, he's sweating no. cheesesteak. He fucks it up. Swagger gets away and is immediately the subject of like a nationwide manhunt. There's like this actually like the scene of him getting away. I thought it was really well done because there's like 10,000 helicopters in the skies over Philly looking for him. They're all like sweeping around. It's like all very well filmed. And also what I appreciated about this, this scene and this whole sequence is that it really does take seriously, like how bad it is to get hit with even two like small caliber bullets in non-lethal areas. Cause like he has to run away, steal a car and then like do surgery on himself. And what I liked about this movie is that it showed that there are like, three different stages of him doing self suck on himself to like not bleed to death. And I thought it was like a, a pretty realistic, pretty, uh, pretty, uh, high stakes sort of like it was a, a, a very taut scene of him having to escape and also not bleed to death from his various gunshot wounds. But he is only able to escape because in fleeing the scene of, of his setup, he comes across Michael Pena, who's just this dipshit, FBI agent fresh out of the academy just going like woo like all good checking in here and Wahlberg of course immediately gets the drop on him steals his gun handcuffs and car but not before telling him and this is the only person he gets a chance to talk to this 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 uh, lonely FBI agent played by Michael Pena he says it's a setup I didn't shoot the president so he is he is able to escape Philadelphia um, and there's now these, which sub- is all the most heroic thing he does in the movie. <laughs> get out of Philadelphia. Yeah. They were going to make him dress up like gritty and crump. <laughs> <laughs> they like, they, they framed him. They were like, you have to, you have to say that gritty socialist <laughs> say that you tried to kill the president. <laughs> and he was like, no, he fucked around and found out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, no, he, he, he's bleeding. 
He needs to get off the streets. There's only one where to go in Philadelphia. That's Baltimore Matt's house. If you want to remove a bullet from you and maybe take a leak. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Bob Lee Swagger is able to get away. Um, sort of sort of stitched up their whole plans. And then we see Officer J.D. Tippett is like being interviewed on the news. And they're like, oh, he was able to, he, he, he saw his gun sticking out of a window and was able to, you know, uh, shoot him in, 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 in the process of apprehending him. A very, very familiar playbook we're talking about here. Very, very familiar. Um, but of course, Michael Pena, FBI agent, now has to look like a huge pussy in front of like everyone else in the agency. And they're like, you disgrace the agency. You're going up for the Office of Professional Review. And I sort of like the, the scene where Pena was like, um, I just graduated the academy two weeks ago, and you're saying that this guy is a Marine Scout sniper with like 500 confirmed kills. Like, what do you mean? Like, what the fuck? What the fuck would you have done? I'm lucky to be alive. <laughs> oh, oh, sorry, I didn't defeat him in hand to hand combat. Like the most dangerous guy on the planet. Oh well. But because he gets sunned so badly by his shithead superiors at the FBI, one of whom is played by uh, Tate Donovan. I know you guys are a fan of his work from the OC as America's America's favorite dad from uh, Orange County. And, and, and as Ray's younger brother on the program of that name. But be, because he's so... Um, something, something doesn't sit right with Michael Pena's character. Now, here would be a good time to talk about the name of Michael Pena's character, which is very odd until something clicks. The name of Michael Pena's character is Nicholas Memphis which is a very odd name for any human being, but it's also a very odd name to give a character and an actor who's like a very prominent Hispanic American. Like you think they would have given him a more, some, something a little bit more fitting than Nicholas Memphis, which sounds like a porn star's name. I was like, what's up with that? Until, what's the last name? What's that city again? Memphis? Was there another famous assassination that happened in Memphis involving the mm -hmm. FBI? Mm -hmm. Yes, there was. I, I think it is a coded reference to the Martin Luther King Jr. assassination and the FBI's, shall we say, <laughs> I don't know, the, the, the cloud that hovers over that regarding the FBI and that assassination and the shooter involved in it, who um, perhaps was also a patsy, speaking of James Earl Ray, another three-named sort of like cracker shooter who um, I personally think uh, it's a way, way more open and shut case on like textbook Patsy than even Lee Harvey, Lee Harvey Oswald. So like I said, I, I, I think the filmmakers of this movie are, they're not putting their thumb all the way on the scale, but they are hinting at a lot of what this movie uh, implies and what they're really trying to say with this action movie. So, uh, there's another really good scene of Mark Wahlberg doing self suck on himself. He uh, create, he uses a like a turkey baster to like fill his veins with uh, sugar water, and uh, Michael Pena, uh, like he's like oh like a hardware store like you know someone someone bought sugar water from them, and I think he's an Asian Napoleon listener or something because he's like they've been using sugar water to treat battlefield wounds since the Napoleonic era, and they're like shut <laughs> up loser, go back to clocking <laughs> phone calls. Yeah, they're like, we listen to true crime podcasts at the Bureau, you fucking pussy. Um, so then check out AgentNapoleon.com. So uh, then Bob Lee Swagger is, of course, on the run. He's like the most wanted man in the world. So he's got to turn to someone for help. And of course, uh, like like a good like a good Marine. Who are you going to turn to? The wife of your dead friend who you've never met even once. He just shows up at her house and he's like, you got to help me. 
I didn't kill I didn't kill the president. And then she's like, of course you didn't kill the president, you idiot. You killed the Archbishop of Ethiopia. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she's played by Kate Mara. And, uh, you know, like, of course she helps him. Of course she believes him. Because, you know, I mean, like, <laughs> I mean, like, her character's psychology is funny because, like, his face is all over the news. She's never even met this guy. The only thing she knows about him is that, like, she was he was with her husband when he died in the line of duty. And then he just shows up and everyone's like, oh, like, he's the most wanted assassin in the world. And he's like, you got to believe me. I didn't do it. And she's like, OK, I'll help you. And she's well, no one said, like, military wives, like, they're not praised for being smart. <laughs> like, they're praised for being, like, you know, strong and nice. But not smart. Well, I mean, well, she is smart because, you know, she, she, she trusts that, you know, he is, he is on the level and that she's smart enough to know that, hey, the lying fake news media, if they're, if they're, if they're, put, if they're you know, doing everything possible to make you think that this guy's the shooter, maybe he's not. So, of course, she helps him. She stitches him up and, you know, he's, he, he, he's back to fighting shape and he knows that he needs, to, he needs to take down Danny Glover and the people who set him up. Oh, and then also... He finds out through Kate Mara's character that the news included in the account that um, they killed his dog. The dog that he trained from birth to fetch beers for him from the fridge, Elias Coteus made good on his threat and killed Mark Wahlberg's dog. And then it planted a news story about like they, he even killed his dog because he knew he wasn't coming back. And now it's like, okay... I mean, if these people weren't marked for death before, I mean, come on, just d- dig your own grave right now, homie. You played yourself. They killed his yeah, fucking this is, dog. This is like John Wick gets a lot from this movie. And, you know, they basically do John Wick. But whereas John Wick is like in service of like lore about a ho- secret hotel, <laughs> like, you know, this is about the deep state. It's about JFK. It's about the MLK assassination. This is about everything. Um, and then, you know, as this is going on, uh, Michael Pena's character, Nicholas Memphis, is beginning to sort of cotton to the idea that, like, maybe maybe the story here that, like, his bosses are so wed to aren't adding up. Because, like, when they debrief him after, like, they they make extra, they, they, put, they, give, the, they give him the full court press to leave out from his, like, official write-up of the incident that Shooter told the, him in the moment that this is a setup, I didn't kill the president. And then he begins to notice things like how, you know, how come is it that the F- our FBI field office had like every single piece of information about Bob Lee Swagger, like 20 minutes after he supposedly pulled the trigger? He's like, you know, he's, he's just he's getting he's getting conspiracy pilled on what's going on here. And the fact that um, and like, you know, like he, he, he like he figures out that like Mark Wahlberg is like the best sniper in world history. So like, how could he miss a shot by two feet? You know, it just it, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. So, I mean, he begins to Pena and him. They become allies and they become allies because uh, shooter Bobby Swagger uh, uses him as bait to like lure the deep state assassins out of the muck because they know they're looking for him and he's got to get them to show themselves. So he does that by exposing Michael Pena to uh, their scrutiny or whatever and uh, they abduct him and in my, probably one of my favorite details of this movie they abduct him they torture him and interrogate him to like uh, you know get, get what he knows about their plot and then they uh, like I, I swear to God I've, n- I've never seen this in a movie before or since and it's another it's another one of those things that like really make you go hmm 
they they break out this like bizarre saw type contraption to get him to shoot himself in the head. It's like a neck brace and like a, like an arm. It's like it's like an arm crank like neck brace medical device that like pulls your hand towards your head with a gun in it and then makes you pull the trigger so that forensically it will look like you pulled the trigger on yourself. And the guys doing this, yeah. the guys doing this to him and go, it's not the first time we've done this. It works. And I was just sort of going, hmm. Hmm, interesting. I know. I remember the first time I saw that, uh, I was like, damn, that, that could that, that could work. Is that a device? <laughs> is that a real thing? I was like, this makes sense. I was like, fuck. I was just like going through my head people of like all, do all these love people. just shooting themselves in the head when they're uh, like very close to being uh, interviewed for <laughs> conspiracy related cases. It's a very common thing that happens. But, you know, right, but before they can use the suicide device on Michael Pena, of course, this was all. This was he was. Uh, this was all just bait because shooter Bobby Swagger um, domes like six guys with a twenty-two caliber rifle <laughs> from a c- c- canoe he's sitting in. <laughs> <laughs> that's folks. That's how good a shooter this shooter is. Um, so then him him and Pena team up. He's got a he's got a new he's got a new spotter now. And where do they go? And like okay, so right after uh, my favorite um, bit of conspiracy lore in this movie regarding the suicide device, we get. A wonderful cameo performance in this movie of the great Levon Helm. Probably, I would say, one of the best musicians turned actors. You may remember him from The Coal Miner's Daughter and The Right Stuff. In this movie, he plays a Tennessee legend who's just an old man who lives in Tennessee and knows a lot about guns and is friends with Bob Lee Swagger. This was probably like my favorite scene in the movie, my favorite role in the movie. Levon Helm is a joy in this role as the old Tennessee gunsmith who uh, hips uh, Pena and Wahlberg to the idea that you can wrap an already fired shell casing in paper and fire the same casing through a different gun and have the grooves on the chain, the casing match it, what the gun it was originally fired from. So this is how they set up Wahlberg to be like, it's his rifle, his bullet fired from this gun. It's, it's, it's a thousand percent link. And leave on helm. Uh, I'll, I'll point out that during this scene, Michael Pena is wearing a Che Guevara T-shirt. <laughs> and, uh, and you know, th- there's a great line where Levon Helm says uh, of the government and the media, he said, They also said that artificial sweeteners were safe and WMDs were in Iraq and Anna Nicole married for love. And then he says that, like, this is the way it always works in a conspiracy. conspiracy works. Them boys on the grassy knoll, they were dead within three hours. Buried in the damn desert, unmarked graves out past Terralingua. And you know this for a fact? Still got the shovel. <laughs> <laughs> this is a definitely uh, the most Stephen Hunter part of the book movie. He also loves gunsmiths. He loves anybody who is good making uh, or firing guns. In fact, he has a really insane book called Pale Horse Coming about Bobby Swagger's dad in the 50s uh, liberating a uh, a prison in Arkansas that's being used to test uh, uh, nuclear syphilis on black inmates. And he does it with the help of a dirty dozen team of famous gunsmiths, all of whom are based on real guys. That sounds he's like an absolute awesome. weeb for guns. Yeah, <laughs> that Wait. sounds sick. Can we buy the rights <laughs> to that? movie? Can we buy the rights to that? book? <laughs> Oh, and oh, it's all. No, I'm sorry. It's Gunsmiths and then a thinly veiled Audie Murphy. That fucking owns. 
God That's damn. so fucking sick. <laughs> testing <laughs> testing radioactive syphilis on African-American inmates in the Arkansas prison system. I mean, not too much of a stretch. No, no. not at all. <laughs> yeah. Not at all. I, wow, yeah, no. That's another thing that isn't really talked about that much in most media. The American government, beyond even Tuskegee, uh, testing biological warfare on black Americans. Korean War, let's go down that whole rabbit hole. But um, so basically, um, they, they realized that like, okay, look, so there's Mark Wahlberg, uh, Bob Lee Swagger wasn't the real shooter. So there's another shooter. And they find out, they realize, because like, you know, obviously Levon Helm, it's like he knows personally like the three other guys on the planet who could have theoretically made that shot. And wouldn't you know it, shooter Bob Lee Swagger has already met one of them. And it's a guy you wouldn't think because there's this obvious. Okay, is played by character actor uh, Raj Sherbega, who you may remember from Snatch and Eyes Wide Shut as the guy who tries to pimp out his daughter to Tom Cruise. But like when this guy shows up in the movie, you know he's the bad guy. You know he's the bad guy. But he's in a wheelchair, so like, hmm, they're like, oh, how did he make the shot? Well, they did it using a robot of some kind. They they do it with a computer program and like a like a stationary like uh, computer mounted and aimed. Uh, rifle apparatus, but I guess uh, Sherbega's character is the one who, like, you know, typed in the coordinates to like make sure the shot goes off successfully. Um, so he he becomes the focus of like now now the deep state and like uh, uh, Denny Glover and now Ned Beatty, who's introduced as a Ned Beatty R.I.P. to another legend. He comes in as a senator from Montana who is our very thinly veiled Dick Cheney analog. And now like they, they realize they're being hunted by Bob Lee Swagger, and the way that they're going to draw him out is similar to what uh, Bob Lee Swagger did with Michael Pena's character. They're going to sort of dangle out Raid Sherbega there uh, to, to sort of like flush him, out, uh, you know, flush him out. So this sets up, um, they're going to like, they know where he is, he like his sort of like ranch house in Virginia, it's just Michael Pena and Mark Wahlberg alone are going to do a raid on this guy. And what they know to be for certain is a trap designed to do exactly that to, you know, get, get them to go for this guy. And this leads to like one of my favorite things that can happen in an action movie, a shopping trip to home Depot where the principals blow racks, buy out the store and use common household and yard work appliances to make a host of homemade bombs, booby traps, and weapons. So, like, they make a shitload of, like, tear gas, napalm, and pipe, uh, pipe, pipe bombs and improvised explosives with common items that can be found in any supermarket in America. And they set up for a big raid on this guy's house. And uh, they do it. It's a fucking, it's an awesome action sequence. Uh, a lot of really good um, stealth knife kills by Bobby Swagger before, before the shit really pops off. But um, when he finally is like, you know, face to face or gun to face with uh, Raid Sherbega, he sort of spills the whole, the whole truth to him. And what he says to him is very interesting. He says, the truth is that nothing, no matter how horrible, happens without the approval of our government, either here or over there. And he uses Abu Ghraib as an example. And like the, the character he's portraying is like a fucking like, like true war criminal 
like I like it probably implied like a, like a sniper in the Bosnian war or something like that who like Bob Lee Swagger has been approached by Danny Glover at one point and given let's just say a choice to be recruited or not. He says, yes, nothing happens over there or here, no matter how horrible, without the knowledge and approval of the government. He says, there's no head to cut off because it's a conglomerate. And if one man betrays the principles of the accrual of money and power, then everyone else betrays him. It's human weakness, and you can't kill that with a gun. And in doing so, he, he lets Wahlberg know that in the very first scene in the movie, where he like uh, he covers the retreat of these operators in the Horn of Africa, he was in fact covering a group of military contractors who had just executed an entire village of people and buried them in a mass grave because they didn't want a pipeline to be built through their ancestral homelands. So, and he was yeah, if, he, if, he was never meant to leave the Horn of Africa alive. If you, if you want to have someone who looks very much like a human beat explain how capitalism actually works. You get Ned Beatty. There is so much I love about this stretch of the movie. First, I love stealth knife kills in movies. We don't see enough of them. I love like a CQC takedown. Fucking awesome. If you do something where you kick out the back of someone's knee and then jam the the knife into their carotid artery and put your fucking hand over your mouth and then you see a little blood seep through the fingers... Amazing. But yeah, the uh, again, this movie's dead on because a lesser film and a lot of lesser films that follow this movie's uh, they're in this movie's general sphere, it would be like, oh, there's one big guy. You know, we have to take down the big the big fucking Dick Cheney guy. This movie understands no, you kill him, ten other fucking ambitious psychos are rising up to take take its place. This is basically automated at this point. So I mean, he, like, like him and Pena take out like an entire fire team of operators who like are converge on this property and get fucking shredded by homemade napalm and uh, pipe bombs. It's pretty awesome. He takes out a helicopter by shooting a giant propane tank, and like all the guys hanging off the sides with machine guns get cooked alive. It's it's so it's pretty hard body. It's pretty hard body. That that scene, that scene, them getting cooked in the helicopter. It felt like. The filmmakers were saying this is payback for Waco (laughs) (laughs) to specifically kill them that way. Like fucking tight. So, I mean, like, you know, we don't have to belabor too much. This all leads to the the final showdown because, of course, uh, Danny Glover and his minions have connected Kate Mara's character to Bob Lee Swagger. And they, of course, kidnapped her. And Elias Coteus' character has to give us off severely rapey vibes when he is like menacing Kate Morrow. Very, very nasty, very gross character. Um, she, she is their hostage now. And if Bob Lee Swagger would like her back alive, then they, he has to, they have to arrange a sort of a, a handoff of the evidence that Bob Lee Swagger has. He recorded Ray Sherbega when he was talking about their plan to, or not their plan, their, the atrocity that they committed in uh, Ethiopia on behalf of, sitting U.S. Senator Ned Beatty. And Bob Lee Swagger says, okay, like, we'll do the handoff, but, but Ned Beatty has to be there. And they, like, take a helicopter up to, like, the top of a fucking mountain. So, like, it's, like, it's all, it's all snow-capped. It's all in white so that there's, like, no chance that he can, like, you know, get the drop on them or they, they can see him coming, right? Because he's shooter. Folks, he's shooter, all right? You, you know, he does one thing. He does one thing, and you know it's going to be sniping. So... 
suffice to say, by the end, uh, Mark Wahlberg kills, like, shoots through the fucking telescopic lens about three different guys who are, like, all have positions. Like, you know, like, he, he gets the drop on all of them. Elias Cotes' character has one of the best movie deaths uh, that I've seen recently, where he's got a shotgun to Kate Mara's back, and he's like, you got no shot, shooter! You got no shot! And then Mark Wahlberg then shoots his hand off. His hand is on the trigger. He shoots him with like a 50 caliber bullet and like explodes his hand and then shoots his arm off after that. So Elias Cotes is like, he took the shot. He's like, you took the shot, shooter. You did good. And then he fires another shot and his whole arm just gets blown off his body. This is where Modern Warfare 2 took you shooting off that guy's arm. I'm convinced because, you know, again... A lesser movie would just show, like, the exit wound of, like, you know, 45 at most. This is a movie that will show, using a Barrett 50 kill, using anti-material rounds to literally explode body parts. Amazing. Would not happen today. This happens today. Shooter is, like, he finds some ancient relic and shoots lasers out of his fucking hands. And even if he didn't do it, god damn it, you know it would be CGI. Yep. It would look like dog shit. This yep. is this is a very Practical good effects, baby. Very good bloody stump. If I can just just meat awesome. meat flying off this asshole. So of course, this is why whenever I go on a hinge date, this is the movie I watch with girls horribly. <laughs> they don't make them like this anymore. So of course, you know, just uh, kidding. I only do that with Casino. So uh, you know, Shooter of course reveals his position. Uh, it would seem that they have now, you know, they're holding all the cards when it comes to Ned Beatty and Danny Glover. But, you know, uh, Shooter is no dummy. What he, he burns the evidence that he has, the tape recording, because he's like, this is too hot. There's nobody, like, the, the evidence that's on this tape is, is so damning that there's nobody we can give it to because it'll just mark us for death. Like, the FBI, nobody's going to help us with this shit. Destroying it is, like, our only... Like uh, uh, if for me and Kate Mara and like the people we love, this is our only real protection is destroying this evidence. I mean, I think the kind of the opposite would be true. I would probably hold on to a copy of that recording. <laughs> but Ned Beatty, of course, like, you know, very network like has this monologue at the end of the movie on the top of this mountain where he's like he, he says to Gunny, he's like, Gunny, listen, boy, there are no sides. There are no Sunnis, no Shiites, no, no Republicans, no Democrats. There's just the haves and the have-nots. And do you want to be at the table with the haves or do you want to be on the outside looking in? There's only so many places at the table, Gunny. Now, are you on the inside or are you on the out? He's like, I'm, I'm a senator, boy. Let me, let me tell you, I'm, I'm going back to Washington, D.C. And he, like, you know, sort of trundles off back to his helicopter. And Danny Glover is like, guess what, shooter? I won. You lose once again. And so, like, seemingly at the end of this movie, Danny Glover and Ned Beatty get away with it. And Mark Wahlberg is taken into custody, but he is given a chance <laughs> to have, <laughs> after he is arrested for uh, assassinating the Archbishop of Ethiopia or an, attempted an attempt on the life of the president, he is taken into custody and then given a private audience with the Attorney General of the United States to plead his case and he's in he's in county orange he's in the orange jumpsuit he's shackled and he's like uh do you mind giving me you mind uncuffing me and they're like yeah sure what's what's the worst that could happen right <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they they unshackle him and bring in his like huge marine sniper rifle the one that he allegedly took the shot that killed the archbishop with and michael peña hands him a bullet 
of which he then loads into the breach of this gigantic sniper rifle in a room with the attorney general, loads it, points it at Danny Glover, and pulls the trigger. But it does not go off. Why? Because as an, as, as an accomplished and responsible gun mage, Mark Wahlberg, when he left, <laughs> when he left to do the sniper mission, took out all the firing pins on all of his weapons, as he normally does when he leaves his compound for any amount of time. I mean, come on, you're not just going to be leaving Marine sniper rifles around for just anyone to use. And with that amazing demonstration, that is enough for the attorney general to be like, well, you can leave. You're a free man, which I thought was, you know, perhaps one of the more unrealistic parts of this movie. Do you think it was an allusion to John Ashcroft sort of passively being against warrantless wiretapping? I think more than Probably anything, not. It's, it's it's proof that there is a limitation to this kind of storytelling in mainstream movies because you need to have the hero not get fucking murked, you know? Mm-hmm. You need to have some sort of satisfying, vindicating ending. And that means that you have to, at the end of the day, appeal to the same institutions and standards and laws that the whole movie has spent its runtime telling you are all fake. Well, yeah, I do think that, like, this is very rooted in the time that there is still, like, I saw, you know, you would see people who were, like, full-on 9-11 truthers who would still, like, talk about how they had a, you know, little pocketbook of the Bill of Rights. This is, people, people would go very far, you know, the, the much-beloved based liberals of the past, but there was still, like, this love of America and this belief that if you just worked hard enough, the rules would work for everyone. That's what that type of Oliver Stone liberalism is. It's like, it's not we have to totally redo the system. It's like, no, these the groundwork's great. We just have to apply it to everyone. And also, like, narratively, I do like it, though, because it's like he's gone through all this, not to change anything, not to really change the world, but this is what you have to do to make the government leave you alone if they've decided that you'll, you'll be patsy. Yeah, and the, the attorney general tells him, he's like, look, I don't like the way this shaked out any more than you do, but you know, this isn't the old West anymore where you can, you know, clean up the streets with a gun, even though sometimes that's exactly what needs to be done. And this is of course, after he's given evidence that, you know, Danny Glover, i.e. the U S government, uh, did a war crime in Africa, like filled a mass grave with fucking men, women, and children so they could build a fucking oil pipeline. But what he says is, look, this isn't the world court. And I don't have the authority to prosecute Danny Glover for what he may or may not have done overseas. And then, of course, Glover, with his like shit-eating smile, slides out of the room before telling Bob Lee Swagger, shooter, I win again. You lose. And then it's like, oh, wow. Is there no justice in this world? Well, the next scene is they're at, they're at Ned Beatty's fucking like, hunting lodge in Montana, and they're all having cigars and brandy around the fireplace going gentlemen to evil and they're like you know yeah. they're like i would have loved to see the look on his face when you said that you could kill anyone you want in africa and there's nothing he could do about it and then like Ned Beatty literally says the truth is what i say it is boys <laughs> and then they're like okay uh you're getting on a flight tomorrow there's the situation in ecuador with the locals that needs your uh your attention danny and then he's just like, well, the situation is solvable as always. And they're they're yucking it up. They're having a they're having they're having a great little victory party for themselves. But come on. Come on. You know what's gonna happen. 
you just hear that that tink of a glass. You hear that little glass shatter. And yeah, it's a sniper rifle bullet coming straight through the window, fucking taking out all their all their goons. Because it's just Mark Wahlberg, the attorney general, was like, boy, it would be a shame if someone took the law into their own hands with a gun and did what <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> did what I wish I could do. And it's it's Bobby Swagger Shooter doing exactly that. He fucking shoots Danny Glover through the throat with a rifle. <laughs> One of their other lackeys who's he just shot in the leg is just like, wait, it wasn't me. I, I, I just work for them. I, I'm not responsible. Domes him in the head. And then probably the best, the last line of the movie is great. Uh, Ned Beatty is like, no, no, wait, no, wait, wait here a second, boy. No, no, wait here a second. You don't understand. I, I'm a sitting United States senator. And Bob Lee Swagger goes, exactly. And then just domes him with a 45. <laughs> And like, yeah, this, they won't this make is this move unless unless there's like a thing where like people in office jobs can't access like enough drinking water across the country and not just in America. That won't ever be in a big budget movie again. And that that's why uh, uh, if you look at Stephen Hunter's books and they kept getting weirder uh, uh, and I, I think you can really trace the the, the, the alienation of like. Uh, people who are broadly, you know, uh, fixated on like these notions of American heroism and competency, but who are also alienated from the government. Uh, they're they're uh, going from being sort of generalized anti-establishment types, the way that uh, Hunter uh, wrote in the '80s and '90s, to being more like hardcore uh, uh, conservative ideologues. As uh, over time. And it really is because, you know, uh, the only real political question becomes one of your cultural affinities. And things like being a badass who really likes guns is coded in such a way that eventually, if you are like that and that, like, you care about that stuff, you kind of get trundled into, uh, even if you don't want to, into being uh, a conservative. So, uh, so one of Hunter's more recent books, I think from 2011, is called Soft Target. Uh, and it is about Ray Cruz, who is Bob Lee Swagger's illegitimate son, uh, and who took over for Bob Swagger in the books because, you know, at that point, Bob Swagger's in his 60s. He can't be doing all the real uh, hardcore action stuff. Uh, he's in the Mall of America when it gets attacked by a Somali. Uh, uh, Muslim uh, fundamentalist terrorists who start just shooting the place up and he has to just go die hard on them. Uh, meanwhile, outside the incompetent police response to the shooting is being coordinated by uh, Minnesota state police commander, Douglas Abobo, <laughs> the half Kenyan uh, graduate of Harvard law who got the job because of his fancy speeches and who, uh, doesn't know what he's doing I don't, I don't, and has to get schooled by uh, Ray Cruz on how to really deal with terrorism. Is, it, is this character a stand-in or something? I don't get it. Douglas I'm just kidding. I'm just yes. kidding. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, like, he literally has a, an allegory where the the America, it's called, um, in the book, it's called America the Mall, <laughs> is under terrorist siege and incompetent O'Bungler fucks it up and it's up to a guy with a gun to save everything. Uh, and he also wrote a book with Bob Lee Swagger that is one of the most insane plots I've ever encountered. It's about a Yakuza boss 
who is in charge of like a lot of the pornography in Japan, who is seeking to possess the actual katana that or uh, that was used to kill uh, the the bad guy in the uh, legendary Forty Seven Ronin Tale, uh, the real life version, uh, so that he can wield the influence of it to take over the Japanese pornography industry and prevent American actresses be- from being used in it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> they're undermining the purity of Japanese pornography. Okay. I mean, this is the, the Stephen Hunter literary canon is, uh, I, I think, I think what we've really discovered in this episode is the most untapped gold mine for movies that I think we should produce and write. We should yes. make all of these films, yeah, and, no. books into movies. He also, by the way, wrote a Bob Lee Swagger movie about the Kennedy assassin, assassination called The Third Bullet. This is like, that is, the, the Japanese one speaks to like <laughs> a very specific type of uh, guy who got a sexual complex while serving in the Philippines. <laughs> Most of those guys are dead, you know? Most of the guys who like, they were like either like before Vietnam or like right after where they like, you know... They're like, as Matt said, sort of like vaguely mass, like distrustful of the government, army veterans or whatever. And like the main thing they picked up from their military service is like generals are stupid and they're like obsessed with Filipino women. <laughs> they're obsessed with Korean women or Japanese women. Most of those guys got heart conditions. They've they've passed on. Um, but going back a little bit, the sad thing, yeah, about all this is that, yeah, like most of the the guys that the books were for, yeah, they just they got folded into Trump world, just like how Alex Jones got shittier after yeah. Trump because it's like, oh, he's just like he's running like a form of PR for like the Republican front runner and then uh, then president. But the film version of this, it, it works twofold. The type of liberal that was you know ambiently distrustful of intelligence agencies and shit, and like you know as we've long talked about had a did a very good job of identifying the problems, uh, not such a good job of identifying the solutions. Yeah, they just became MSNBC viewers. Suddenly they mm-hmm. loved John Brennan. You all get you you get rolled into one thing or the other. Yeah. Yep. And that means that uh, that all of those all of that current can only be expressed culturally by by doctrinaire, like explicitly reactionary stuff now. Like there's no place for for a, a, a disillusioned uh, sniper to find out that the world is bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> I just, sorry, I'm still like, I'm still a little bit left sort of speechless by the power of the idea that a Yakuza boss would seek out the legendary blade of the 47 Ronin. Like it's the spear of Longinus or something. Yes. It will allow, it will give him the power to prevent Jenna Jameson from taking over the Japanese pornography industry with her <laughs> with her with her uh, buxom blonde uh, uh, assets, it's, it's degenerate. Getting letting letting the the, the blue eyed devils into the into the porn industry is is the death of Japanese honor. Well, well, I would say about uh, this movie about the death of American honor is that again, like uh, back, back to that last scene where he says, "I'm a sitting U.S. senator," and then Bob Lee Swagger says, "Exactly," before fucking putting a bullet right between his eyes. I mean, you know, like I, like I said at the beginning of this movie, um, this is this is a rare piece of Hollywood cinema, and that it came out in two thousand seven, and the movie is, as its conservative critics at the time accurately clocked, an unambiguous wish fulfillment fantasy about capping fucking Dick Cheney. 
unambiguous. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's even like on there's a scene on the mountain where Ned Beatty's character literally says, "This is a country where the Secretary of Defense can go on TV and tell the American public." Oh, that this is about freedom. It's not about oil. And ev- no one wants to like, and, and everyone believes it because nobody because it, because it's a lie, and nobody wants to hear the truth. They talk about Abu Ghraib in this movie. They talk about the WMDs not being in Iraq, and then you have uh, you know this this senator character in Ned Beatty getting fucking executed by Bob Lee Swagger, and I, I don't know. It's a uh, it's 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 a rich and powerful text, but like I said, it's just uh, you know, like a lot of times, like in 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 movies like Independence Day or Armageddon, or like we, we as Americans, we love to see America get destroyed in movies, but very really, like I mean, it, it is the special movie in which we like a popular movie audience will succumb to willingly the fantasy of seeing specific figures in the American government destroyed for fun and entertainment. And this is what shooter does uh, splendidly. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's like, it's, it's, it, it serves the same purpose culturally. as like the, the carnival of medieval era. Like, Hey, we, we know that these people rule us without any ability to stop them, but occasionally we can at least watch them get their heads blown open uh, by a, a cool, uh, by a cool small man from Massachusetts. And now we can't even have can't even have that anymore. Yeah, no. The only people that like snap anymore are people who are like, yeah, everything's against me. I, I like my life is just a cycle of degradation and pain. I'm gonna kill everyone at a frozen yogurt place. Well, yeah. congratulations to shooter Bob Lee Swagger. Congratulations to Stephen Hunter. Congratulations to Antoine Fuqua for bringing us Shooter. Till next time, gentlemen. Stay frosty. Bye-bye. Stay spotting. Stay, stay scoped Trigger up. Trigger finger lubed. Stay scoped up. Keep spotting those. Packed up. Keep spotting those ops. You're the real tough cooking with.